This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. today is taken from Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on your shoulders of others but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and in the best seats in the synagogues, and to greet with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All those that exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of God for the people of God. If you've spent any time reading the New Testament, there's no denying that Jesus rarely saw eye to eye with the Pharisees. The fact is, they were often at odds with each other, and it was obvious the Pharisees didn't care much for Jesus. Mostly they didn't like him because he was moving in on their territory, he was questioning their authority. They didn't like him because he called out their hypocrisy and their love of money and power. They also didn't like him because they were worried that he was going to start this revolution and it was going to create unrest in society and then they would lose some of their influence that they had with the Roman government. So the Pharisees constantly tried to challenge Jesus or catch him off guard, often sending experts to test him. As a matter of fact, today's passage that Christine just read for us comes after a set of scriptures detailing five different tests that the Pharisees tried to use to get Jesus kicked out of the temple. Spoiler alert, didn't work. <laughs> Today's reading from Matthew actually begins with Jesus complimenting the Pharisees. See, Jesus was admitting that the Pharisees were knowledgeable in the law. I mean, I would hope so. These guys have dedicated their lives to studying scripture and to studying the law. So hopefully some of it had stuck. <clears throat> but see, Jesus also knew that the law was important and he knew that they did a good job of teaching the law to the people. Sitting on Moses' seat, as we read in our scripture, meant that they were the lawgivers for the people of Israel, just like Moses was. However, this had also become a problem. Because Jesus continues, but do not do what they do, 
for they do not practice what they preach. Ow. See, what Jesus is talking about, though, and the reason that he's, he's calling them out is because of the way that they treated the people that were under their care. Many of the people they taught couldn't read. They were working class folks, so they relied on the Pharisees to tell them what the law said. These were also people that lived in the day-to-day, -day, and there was a huge gap between the lives that the Pharisees lived, because again, they had cleanliness rituals, so they often separated themselves out from the people. So there was this huge gap between the lives that the Pharisees lived and the lives of the everyday people. And often, instead of meeting the people where they were, the Pharisees would look down on them and instead would just bury themselves in the law. And they would judge the people and saw themselves as more holy. Because the people couldn't live up to their standards, they began to look upon them like they were just hopeless. And they would create more and more burdens and laws for the people. So instead of looking at their people with compassion, they looked on them with, with this disdain. But the truth is, they even presented themselves as better. The passage that Christine read where it said, Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels and their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. A phylactery, which is a great word, by the way, but it's actually a box that held the Old Testament scriptures that was worn during prayer. And as I recall, I think they actually wore it on their forehead. And then the tassels were the tassels on their prayer shawl that they wore around their necks. And Jesus said that they actually would make these bigger. Now, if I had to wear something on my forehead, I would want it to be fairly small. I don't know about you, but you, know, you look how, how your glasses sizes have changed, depending on how your prescription is. But our glass sizes, I mean, could you imagine having to wear this box? I mean, but they wanted to make theirs big because they wanted the people to see it and assume they were more holy. And the tassels on their robe were big and they were long. And they did this to sort of draw attention to themselves. I think it's still a danger for us today, and honestly, I think today, I mean, we don't wear phylacteries on our foreheads, we wear masks on our faces, I'm sorry. Um, but we, I don't know, I just looked out and I saw it. Uh, but it's still a danger for us. I have cell phones and social media, how many times have you seen somebody share, look, this is me doing a good deed, I, you know, and they're taking a picture or a video of themselves. But that's not the point. Uh, how many times do you see people on social media promoting their brand? Hey, come check out my blog or my book or my new song or this or that or the other. I mean, it's okay for, for, to try to advertise a little bit to get the word out, but you have to be very careful of why you're doing it. Because we all want to be looked up to. We want to be admired, and we see it in ministry too. But see, we also see I, – I, I have known of, of people that I remember sitting in a meeting um, – when leadership changed at a church I served at, and I don't wanna, I'm not going to sit up here and bash people, but I remember having somebody tell me that they had a doctor, a doctorate, and to make sure that when we were talking to them in public that we called them doctor, um, and things like that. And I know others that make sure that that doctor is in there, and, and that title. And, and it's and it's okay to be proud of your accomplishments and your hard work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I understand that. I mean, even I, I remember when I first got my own church, and I was the pastor. I remember my business, you know, I had business cards. This is so cool. You know, hand them out everywhere. I'm like, stick them up on bulletin boards. I'm trying to get free food. You know, those drawings they do, like over at Junie G's and places where you drop the card in. Not, I was at Junie G's at the time, but I remember doing all of that. 
But then after having my season of, of out being out of ministry and missing my calling, it's a little bit different today. Uh, people often say, what do you want to be called? And I just keep it clean. Um, I mean, really. Or what is the other saying that, you know, you can call me anything, just don't call me late for supper? Is that... <laughs> but see, I've come to realize that my goal is not to shine. My goal is to reflect Jesus. And I'm very frustrated at where our world is right now. You all know this because I've not been shy about admitting my, my struggles, about being caught in a world where I really don't feel like I belong. This isn't our home, and I think a lot of you feel the same way I do. But I think one of my frustrations continues to be how Christians treat the people with which they disagree. People that are other Christians, maybe you have a, theolo a theological difference, or non-Christians, maybe you have a major difference. And I think we even see this, and I'm not going to make this that kind of sermon, but we've even seen this with our politics. When we, If you're voting for somebody I'm not going to vote for, and we've made it this big thing in how we treat each other just because we share a difference of opinion. But again, as a Christian, my duty is to Christ and Christ alone. The same is true of all of you here as well. It's my responsibility to live it as an example in this world by trying to be as much like Jesus as I can be. Just like Jesus. Not like anyone else. Not like a, a pastor. Not, not like a politician. Not like a celebrity. My goal in this life is to be like Jesus. It's to worship Jesus. To live like him. To worship him and nobody else. But see, I am in no place to judge either. Because I also realize that I don't deserve to stand in front of you today. If it weren't for the grace of Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. And that can be true of anybody, it should be true of anybody that stands in front of a pulpit, in front of you, that, that serves in ministry. Teresa of Avila said that Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. When we say we are a Christian and we interact with another person, everything we say and do is a reflection of Jesus. And people in this world are seeing a whole lot of Christians act nothing like the Jesus that I know. What version of Jesus do people see in you? See, the Pharisees used the law to make people feel guilty and as such placed these heavy burdens upon them. They never met the people where they were. They never got to know them or really got to care about them. Jesus, did he call people on their sin? Absolutely. But Jesus also got to know them first. Imagine if Jesus were to walk up to the woman caught in adultery or the woman at the well, and he immediately just started calling them a sinner and pointing his finger at them and told them how wrong and simple they were. See, the last thing they needed to hear from him was this, because they'd heard it their whole lives. The people in our lives, the ones that we look down on, the ones that we judge, whether we admit it or not, already know what we and other people think about them. They don't need somebody else telling them what they already know. When Jesus encountered someone on the outskirts of society, the ones that had been ostracized and pushed to the fringes, he met them where they were. 
He had compassion on them. He showed them empathy. He showed them he cared for them. He loved them. He told them about their sin, but he did it without judgment. But see, he also gave them forgiveness and told them to go and sin no more. Jesus had an eye on the law, just like the Pharisees. He knew the law, believed the law, and obeyed the law. But Jesus also had an eye on the people as well. Our world needs more people like Jesus and fewer people like the Pharisees. There are so many people who have been hurt by the church. People who have been judged, labeled, ostracized, criticized, and ridiculed. These people feel unwelcome in our churches. The church can no longer expect people to just show up on Sundays because we have a PR problem. As such, the church has to go into the world. It has to meet people where they are. It has to bridge the gap between the law and the people. It's what Jesus did. In verses 8 through 10, Jesus warns us against using titles on this earth. He says this because he doesn't want us to become like the Pharisees. Because it doesn't matter how much you know or how many times you've read through the Bible, how long you've been a member of your church, how many committees you've served on, it doesn't matter the fancy titles you hold. All that matters is that you follow Jesus and that you're a reflection of him in this world. Verse 11 and 12, Jesus says, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. To be a reflection of Jesus, all we have to do is be humble enough to serve. We have to be willing to go into the world to love people and meet them where they are. To get to know them, to show them empathy and compassion. If we get a chance, tell them about Jesus. But if we're doing it right, there's a good chance that they're already going to be seeing him in us. I want to actually close this morning with something written by uh, a college friend of mine, Nathan Smith. Uh, we went to Taylor University together. And Nathan posted this last night. Uh, and it was actually after the message was finished. And he posted this and like, Nathan, can I use that tomorrow for my sermon? And he's like, sure. So I want to share this with you. This is what he wrote. Friends, check your heart as I check mine. Is your love conditional? I hope you don't have to experience this. As long as I believed precisely the right formula of religious doctrine, as long as I attended the right church, as long as I held the same opinions, as long as I voted the right way, as long as I did what people wanted and didn't rock the boat, then I had the love of friends and family. I thought the people who loved me would love me always. But 47 years has taught me this about love. You can't make people love you. All you can do is to love. You can't make someone accept your love. All you can do is to love. A person can't give you what they don't have. Some people have wounds that never heal. Their pain is so great that they cannot see beyond their pain to be present in yours. Their capacity to love is limited, but their love, at whatever extent, is probably still there. Hurting people hurt people. Anger is a secondary emotion. Look past the anger and bear witness to the pain that's almost always underneath it. That's where love does its work. You can't wash someone's feet with a club in your hand. Love is an action. Prayer might be motivated by love, but it is not love. If you fold your hands to pray and then put your work gloves on, that is love. 
If you kneel to pray and then put your work boots on, that is love. Real love, the kind that melts and reforms our hearts, is uncomfortable. It gets too close. Love runs too when everyone else runs away. Love comes back around again and again and again. Love chooses to see the complexities, the layers, rather than the stereotypes. Love looks at a person not as they are, but at how they got there. Love sees the whole story. Love leaves room for differences, and in the space in between finds there is common ground. Love withholds judgment and seeks to understand. Friends, leave room for love. The Pharisees didn't leave room for love. Jesus did. Be like Jesus. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for the grace that you have given to us. We ask now that you would help us to love, even those that seem the most difficult. Help us to go into this world and to be a reflection of you. We ask this in Jesus' name.